Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter and the Horticulture Hangover Show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Today's Veterans Day, and I was thinking about how I'm going to take a little time to reflect today on uh, veterans and their service and war, and uh, maybe you'll be planting a tree today to... Uh, honor veterans or perhaps a yellow rose. Um, I was thinking about some yellow roses. I have uh, one called Rise and Shine. That's really great. And another one called Julia Child. Um, And there's one that's popular called Grandma's Yellow. All good ones to check out. If you're thinking of ways to honor veterans, you might plant something like that in your yard today or at a community garden or in the, in your community. Um, I want to give a special uh, shout out to my husband today who we will be enjoying his uh, college alma mater's rivalry game later after the show today. Uh, it's Wabash College and it's their Monon Bell game today and it's a huge one and we're very excited and I bet there's one person listening right now who's a Wabash College grad other than my husband who's probably freaking out right now because it's a tiny tiny college so um, I'm looking forward to that and I know he's listening right now And I was thinking about uh, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. And uh, I'm excited. I love Thanksgiving. Um, And my husband and I yesterday were talking about making some pumpkin pie and how we were going to do it, what recipe we were going to use. And I was reminiscing about how a couple years ago during the pandemic shutdown, I grew... uh, Kushaw squash instead of pumpkins and how incredibly delicious they were and incredibly productive and made a wonderful pie. So if you ever get the chance to grow Kushaw squash, uh, I really encourage you to. It's an heirloom plant um, grown by Native Americans um, grown by the uh, enslaved people, um, grown by Abraham Lincoln at his boyhood home. So it's a plant that has you know, deep roots in American history. And also, so that's interesting to me. I'm always interested in history. And um, this plant you know, it's just incredibly vigorous and grows really fast and makes a lot of delicious squash and they're huge and they're really fun. So it's called Cushaw, that's C-U-S-H-A-W, Cushaw squash. 
check that out next year. It's too late to plant squash now, <clears throat> even though it's time to start thinking about pumpkin pie. Um, it's too late to plant them now. The best time for planting them is April, May, June, and even into July. Um, and then you'll have squash ready for Thanksgiving time. And that's a common mistake that folks make is they, they think, you know, they'll associate the harvest time with planting time. If you're a new gardener, new vegetable gardener, a lot of times people think, oh, yeah, it's Thanksgiving time for pumpkin pie. And they'll think, oh, well, let's plant some now. But um, the reason why pumpkin pie is popular at Thanksgiving is because it's harvest time, pumpkin harvest time. And so the plants have already grown at this point. So you got to plant them about, it takes about 120 days for uh, squash, winter squash like that, pumpkins and kashaws to uh, come to maturity and be able to harvest. So you have to think 120 days ahead of Thanksgiving and plant then or even earlier because those winter squash are called winter squash because they keep through the winter, uh, not because they grow during the winter, but because you can harvest them in the fall and keep them during the winter and they're eaten traditionally during the winter. Um, so that's one of my favorite things to grow. If I have a, a retirement or second life, I want to be a squash farmer. <laughs> so I really like growing them. I think they're a lot of fun. They're just sort of magical plants with their huge leaves and rambling vines all over the place. And the fruit are so unusual. So let me know if you're growing squash, if you've ever had good success with winter squashes, what kind you grew. I'd love to hear about your pumpkins and things like that. 512-836-0590. You can call that number and you'll be on the air with a, any questions you have or anything you want to share about your garden. Um, you can also text me at that number and I have a text message already. Someone texted and asked, is it too soon to crepe murder my crepe murders? <laughs> is it too soon to crepe murder my crepe myrtles? Got it. I got it on the second time. Um, okay, well, let's talk about crepe myrtles a little bit. Um, you know, they're a very popular tree. They're all over Central Texas. And there's an old uh, practice, an old kind of convention of cutting the whole top of the tree off in the winter. Yes, it's too early. Just to answer your question of the person who texted, it is too early to cut them at all. 
Um, wait until they've lost all of their leaves and it gets a little colder for a longer period of time. So I'd wait until December. And think real hard, though, about why you're cutting the entire tree off. Um, it doesn't really make sense. I think it's an old practice where people would cut the entire top of the tree off um, to keep the tree short and to motivate the tree to grow a lot of new growth the following spring and all of that new growth will supposedly bloom more because they bloom on new stems and it's not healthy for the tree at all um i only do it if the tree is growing under a more valuable tree and I'm trying to control its height. So for example, if we have a crepe myrtle that's growing under a live oak tree and it's the crepe myrtle is growing up into the live oak branches and rubbing on the live oak branches. If I can't trim the tree away from the live oak, uh, then I would consider cutting the entire top of the grape myrtle off uh, to really control its height. But um, it's not a good practice, and it's a really last resort. Uh, so if you have crepe myrtles, um, it's a better practice to trim them in the winter and remove branches that are crossing back into the middle of the canopy rather than cutting the entire top of the tree off um, because the crepe myrtles are really susceptible to bugs and diseases especially tiny sucking insects like aphids and scales and um, powdery mildew disease and those insects and diseases thrive in dark humid conditions so if you can open up the canopy and remove branches that are crossing back into the middle so there's better airflow and light penetration into the tree canopy that's the proper way to trim a crepe myrtle to keep it healthy nowadays there's so many varieties of crepe myrtles um, they make bushy types shorter types so if your your crepe myrtle is too tall um, you can get dwarf varieties of crepe myrtles and then you don't have to trim them to control their height so that's a much better practice and uh, crepe murder is really it's passe y'all it's not a good practice and not something that we should continue doing. Uh, it just promotes more disease and problems for the tree. And like I said, it's really only a uh, last resort for me. If the, the option is removing the crepe myrtle because it's interfering with other plants, um, especially taller, more valuable trees. And uh, speaking of more valuable trees, yesterday I visited the uh, Treaty Oak in downtown Austin and took a look at its majesty. And it's having a mast year, producing a lot of acorns. So, okay, we're going to go to a break.
This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning. This is Colleen Dieter with the Horticulture Hangover Show. And uh, call me with your questions or text me at 512-836-0590. I have some really good text messages coming in here with good questions. So someone texted and said, please recommend landscape shrubs for shade evergreen. Sure. Okay, so um, what you need to know is if it's really, really deep shade, uh, like under a live oak tree, um, anything that you plant under there is going to be kind of rangy. They're going to stretch. The plants under that kind of shade are going to get longer branches, so they won't be as dense as if they were in lighter shade like under a pecan tree um so just keep that in mind but you should be okay uh yopon holly are really great i was just in a yard uh recently with some weeping yopon hollies that i really liked a lot i love weeping yopons um depending on what size you're looking for uh there's dwarf types too that you can look for if you're looking for little things. Um, you know, I used to recommend pittosporums all the time. Pittosporums are really great. We've had trouble with them around town the last few years because they're not entirely winter hardy. If it's really, really cold, that will kill them. But I've planted a few after uh, the 2021 winter storm and they're doing well. So I'm not entirely ready to write off pittosporums. Um, you know, they were a landscaping staple before 2021. So check those out. And uh, depending again on how deep the shade is, I really like abelias. Um, and there's lots of different varieties of abelias, different shapes and sizes, uh, different color leaves and different color flowers. So they may not do well if it's really deep shade, uh, like uh, under a live oak, like I said, like oppressive shade, but uh, they will do fine under uh, something like a pecan or something that loses its leaves in the winter. Okay, so... Take a look at those and see what you think. All right. Someone else wrote in and asked, do you think I can still plant seeds of lettuces, radish, kale, arugula, collards? Yes, absolutely. It is a good time for planting those. When the seedlings come up, you'll just want to pay attention to the weather and cover them if there's a freeze. Uh, if it gets below 32 degrees, you just want to cover them with cloth. Don't use plastic. Um, you can use old sheets or a quilt, or you can buy floating row cover fabric from the nursery. 
and you'll be all set. And there's a great publication. It's the Vegetable Garden Planting Guide from Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. It's for Travis County, but even if you live in a different county, it can still act as a relatively good uh, guide for you to tell you when to plant which crops and whether or not you need to plant them from seed or from little plants. So I, my vegetable garden lives and dies by this vegetable garden planting guide. It's really crucial. I think this vegetable garden planting guide from Texas A&M AgriLife Extension for Travis County um, is key to success uh, for planting your vegetable garden around here. You really can't get along without it. Um, next text message, someone wrote and said, my yopon bushes have scale parasites. Proper treatment from TRG in GTX. Um, yeah, for scale on yopons is, a, is pretty unusual. Um, so I would want to consider the space where the yopons are growing and see if there's something else wrong. Um, usually scale on a plant like yopon is a sign sometimes of overwatering. So um, just make sure if the plant is established, if it's been in the ground for three years, you can let the, the soil dry out between waterings. And if you have any kind of pop-up sprinkler irrigation if it's spraying on the leaves that can maybe be too much of your spraying too often um, that can encourage scale to grow uh, so be aware of that if the plants are relatively new like they've been in the ground for less than three years then you just want to keep the soil moist like a wrung out sponge um, and then to treat the scale, I recommend using neem oil. Um, it's organic and very effective, but follow the instructions very carefully on the bottle. And uh, you can also make sure that you don't use it too often. It's hard to tell when scale are dead. Um, and sometimes you can end up spraying too much because the scale are still stuck to the plant, but the scale are dead. So if you scrape off one of the scale insects and it's just all like flaky and dry, that means they're dead. If they're still a little bit squishy um, or you see some of the adult scale moving around, then you know that they're still active. So you may need to spray multiple times, but neem oil kills everything. It kills beneficial insects too, so you want to use it sparingly. Um, so be careful with that. And uh, you can also trim out branches that are really, really infested and just throw them, throw them away. Don't put them in your compost pile, but make sure they go out in the... Uh, with the city trash or you burn them, okay? So uh, make sure you're trimming out any really bad infested parts. 
Someone else asked, when is a Meyer lemon ready to harvest? And it's when they are fully yellow and there's no green left on the skin. Okay. It takes a really long time. It takes like six months sometimes for them to ripen. And it's so hard to wait. I know. Um, but yeah, they, some citrus drop the fruit when it's ready, but that's not the case with Meyer lemons. So it's just when they're entirely yellow, ready to pick and you've got to cut them off. Okay, y'all, we're going to go to the news now. Thanks so much. Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with the Horticulture Hangover Show. Um, you can call or text me with your gardening questions at 512. 836-0590. And we have on the line right now, Steve and Bastrop. Hi, Steve. You're live. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Um, you're great. Love your show. Thank you. Um, I had two questions. Okay. First, winter vegetable. What would you like in your garden? broccoli or what okay yeah it's a great time for radishes collards mm -hmm. kale um a lot of people also plant garlic now it's a little getting a little late but um if you plant garlic cloves now they'll sprout later in the spring so you've got to make sure mm -hmm. you put put a label on them because they take so long to come up um and dill will do okay. Oh yeah, yep. It's a great time for dill, and I was just gonna say cilantro too. Mm -hmm. Oh, excellent. Yeah, just make sure that you got some covers nearby in case there's a freeze. You can throw a cover mm -hmm. over over all of those plants, especially when they're new and uh, sensitive to cold. But you'll be all set for yep for the winter garden. Yeah. What was your other Excellent. question? Yeah, what's your other question, Steve? Oh, uh, what time is it? No, my question is... <laughs> Y'all are doing... Uh, oh, what do you think about fruitcake? You're doing pumpkin pie. Oh. I you and your husband make a sweet potato pie. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, bake it in the micro. Um... What? Oh, what do you think about fruitcake was my second question. Okay, well, fruitcake is That's a controversial... more of a crisp... It's a controversial question in my household. I am not a fan of fruitcake. Uh -huh. um, sure. My husband yeah. likes it very much. He's into it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Well, um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm glad I made you smile, and thank you for the smile. Good day. Thank you, Steve. Have and a great day. Yeah, you too. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, fruitcake, where do you come down on that controversial subject? 
yay or nay fruitcake. Uh, let's see. I got some more texts coming in. Someone asked, can I plant and where can I find red tip photinias this winter? Thanks so much. And this is a great question. I don't recommend planting red tip photinias or any kind of photinia um, because they are invasive uh, and the birds eat the berries that they make and then poop the berries out in wild places and the photinias grow in wild places and take up space that um, where native plants would be growing and the other thing about the red tip photinias is they are susceptible to a fungal disease. And I've seen it many, many times where uh, people have a whole row of photinias growing and they get this fungus and they all die. And it's hard to treat. It's uh, So the photinias aren't the best choice. Um, I think you could do better. We were talking earlier about Yopon hollies. I know that it's a different look from the Photinia, but you're going to be a lot happier in the long term with Yopons or cherry laurels. Um, cherry laurels are closer in terms of their look to the Photinias uh, with a bigger leaf. And they're just much more durable, way fewer problems, and they are native and non-invasive. So I'd encourage you to check out the cherry laurels instead or Yopon hollies or other types of hollies too. There's other types of hollies that do well here as well. So check that out instead, okay? And then um, somebody asked, should I fertilize my peach tree to get it ready for spring? If so, when? Thanks from Steve and Leander. Um, it's a little late now. If you use a really gentle fertilizer and a little compost is going to be a better option for your peach tree now. Um, I like fall fertilization of fruit trees to happen earlier, like in September or October. So it's getting a little late now, but I don't think it would hurt as long as you use an organic fertilizer, um, something like 824 for the numbers, like low numbers. Um, make sure it's organic. You can look at the ingredients on the bag and make sure that the ingredients are things like feather meal, cottonseed meal, kelp meal, uh, as opposed to things like ammonium nitrate, uh, where it's like a more of a chemical name. Okay, so look for that. And then you'll be in good shape. I have on my website for sale a fruit tree digital calendar that has reminders in it to tell you when to fertilize, uh, when to fertilize, when to trim, when to spray your fruit trees. And inclu it includes peaches, pears, apples, um, figs, and citrus. 
Okay, so check that out. It's a downloadable file um, that you can download onto any device. It's universal. It works for everyone, and it comes with video and written instructions on how to download it. So then it's just automatically in your calendar of when to prune, fertilize, and otherwise care for all your fruit trees. Like I said, it includes peaches, pears, plums, nectarines, apples, um, everything that we can grow here in Central Texas. And I will see y'all after the break. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with the Horticulture Hangover Show. Thanks for listening. And I got several texts um, asking about my fruit tree calendar, the downloadable fruit tree calendar it is available on my website at atxgardens.com under shop. So you'll go to my website. It's atxgardens.com. Then click on shop and you'll see all the stuff that I'm selling. And you'll find the fruit tree calendar there that you can purchase. And then I will send you an email after you purchase it um, with the download. And then you'll get the reminders automatically in your calendar to tell you when to prune, feed, uh, plant, everything for your fruit trees. So again, it's at atxgardens.com. Click on shop. And I'm so happy I got several people who texted into the station asking where they can get the download. So that's where it's at. It's atxgardens.com. Click on shop and you'll see it there. Okay, then um, someone wrote in and said, the more fruit cake, the better. Speaking of fruit, <laughs> we got one person voting for fruit cake. All right. Uh, I mean, it's okay. I'll take it or leave it. Um, then let's see. Someone asked if they can plant silver ponyfoot right now. And silver ponyfoot is a beautiful ground cover. I love it. It's much loved by many. Um, and... You know, you could plant it right now, but you're taking a risk with the silver pony foot because it usually, uh, the top of the plant usually dies in winter and then it grows back from the roots in the spring. And if you plant it now, when we're getting close to, you know, freezing weather, um, it's the freezing weather that kills the top of the plant. And if you plant it now and the roots aren't totally established, um, then it's 
possible that the top will freeze and there may not be enough starch stored in the plant's roots to be able to grow back in the spring. Okay, so best case scenario, you would wait until March to plant the silver ponyfoot. But I have had success with planting plants, some perennials in November, and they come back in the spring. So it's not a strict rule or anything like that. Just know that you're taking a risk. And if it doesn't work out with planting them now, um, then, you know, you just have to replant in the spring. And if you hate the idea of replanting in the spring, then, you know, just wait until March if you can. But I know I have way more free time at this time of year than I do in the spring because the spring is my busy season. So I often end up um, planting more in the winter. I'll plant perennials like silver ponyfoot in the winter. Just take the risk, you know, just I'll just say like, I know it's possible they could die, but, you know, I have more time to do it now. And sometimes you'll find sales now too at the nurseries, really good sales because the nurseries are trying to clear out inventory uh, because they can't, protect everything in the winter from the cold or they're trying to make room for holiday stuff. So, you know, you can grab those plants and try them and just see what happens. It's no big deal. So, you know, it just depends on your risk, if you're risk adverse or not. Um, let's see. Somebody sent a great question. And I'm sorry, there's texts that I'm not going to have time to get to, unfortunately. And so I have got to go and I will see y'all next week. Thanks so much.